and welcome to episode 33 of the classic rock podcast for those about to pod we salute you in this episode we look back at the year 2009 in my year in rock we also celebrate american independence day with the greatest american bands there's the regular feature of hidden gem time everyone's favorite spot but we start with what's caught your eye bry here's brian hey matthew see that's what it's like whenever you don't interrupt anybody and make them yeah. laugh you sound so much professional when you do it do i you do thank you thank you uh, i actually uh, as i was doing that kind of just off the top of my head i completely forgot <laughs> which which features to include i think i got them all you did you did you did very well very so well very well feature bingo i've got a full house so what's so, on what's what's under my hat matt no what's caught your eye <laughs> <laughs> so yes white snake cancelled yeah. cancelled the remainder of their european term matthew there'll be I lots know. and lots and lots of disappointed white snake fans not getting the opportunity to see dc and all of all of the um the white snake Sna- family the snakes and snakeheads yeah they, i mean it's quite a long list of the countries that they're not now subsequently going to play in Hungary, Serbia, Greece, North Macedonia, Bulgaria, Romania, Bosnia. It's quite, it's a lot of gigs being cancelled, unfortunately. What's gone on there then? Well, it's been a, it's been an interesting probably three or four weeks. So it first of all started with Red Beach. Red Beach Mm. um, wasn't well um, and sat out about four shows. So, Joel Huckstra did all of the heavy lifting on the guitar on his own. Mm. And then they invited Steve Vai at Hellfest to come on mm. and uh, play the guitar solo in uh, Still of the Night. So Joel did do, d- still did all of the um, did all of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy Aldridge um, was unwell. And and we got into one of those situations where I think White Snake um, cancelled on the day and said, you know, Tommy wasn't well. Mm. And then the promoter put out a statement that this is what he was told by the band, and then it all got a little bit silly. But uh, the long and short of it was White Snake didn't play. And then DC came down with um, uh, sinus. Yes, David Covenants. Mm. Uh, the Lord Coverdale came down with a sinus infection, and effectively, that was he was put on. Uh, I was going to say box rest, but he's not a horse. Uh, he was bed rest and mm. told not to sing. And then White Snake, White Snake made the decision: we're going to cancel the remainder of the European tour. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Tough on them and tough on the uh, fans that have um, paid money and would look forward to seeing them, of course, in those in those countries. It is. Uh, and you look at some of the other... Uh, and we've talked about this in previous episodes where... Do you remember when we talked about Van Halen and they were going to do the Van Halen tribute? Hmm. And they said, we'll go out on tour, but we'll have... We'll substitutes. Have, we'll have substitutes. Hmm. And, you, and you wonder... At what point in a tour can you have substitutes sitting in? So Tommy Lee cracked four of his ribs for the stadium tour in America and they brought in uh, a stand-in drummer um, to, for Motley Crue. Yep. And you kind of go, is it is it really just the singer that 
that you can't replace in a band because I know a few people on social media, you've got that fantastic, the pride of Croatia, as David calls him, Dino Jelicic. Mm-hmm. Could Dino have done a show yeah. um, as the lead singer to stand in for David? I don't know. And, and, and would fans have accepted that or would they have said, no, can I have my refund, please? I want to, see, I want to hear, here's a song for you. Yeah, it's an interesting one, actually. I, I, I would imagine, I don't know, what, I mean, what is it better? Is it better to have a gig cancelled or for the, for the, for why it's needed to say, sorry, it's good. David can't perform, it's going to be Dino. I, I would probably say they would prefer the gig rather than the cancellation, yes. of course. But of course, there's more to it than just kind of step forward, Dino Jalisi, because you, you know, needs to know all the songs and all the cues yeah. and all this, that, and the other. Um, but it, yeah, maybe that's the nature of the beast. I mean, I think you mentioned when we were talking earlier that Brett Michaels from Poison had, um, mm. had, had come down with an illness. Yeah. Um, and these are, these are not, these are not in inverted commas, rock and roll illnesses per se, no. not to put, a, not to put too fine a point on it. They are genuinely, you know, COVID or cracked ribs or, yeah. or, you know, similar. Um, and of course, we, as we've said many times, these folks are, are not in the first flush of youth. And um, as we all know, the older you get, the more prone you are to, you know, ailments, let's yes, say. Not exactly. rock and roll ailments. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we are with crock and roll. The, the kind of the demise. Crock <laughs> and roll? Crock and roll. Do you think that's going to catch on? I hope not, because <laughs> that means we'll be talking about uh, shows, uh, shows which have been cancelled. It just, mm. as you say, it's the nature of the beast. It's just a shame that I really enjoyed the the White Snake show, you know, a month ago. Uh, it was a nice way to see them off, and there'll be fans all over Europe who've not had that chance to, to say a uh, a fond farewell to, to David and the mm. White Snake. So, yeah. The White Snakes. Um, in other news, now, you know, I like an auction. I may have mentioned auctions once or twice. But we haven't got a budget, Matt. Well, <laughs> when you hear what's up for sale, Brian, I think you might raid your little piggy bank. Okay. So, um, I only heard it today, actually. So, Gibson. The, uh, they're a guitar brand, by, by the way, Brian. I, I don't know whether you've heard of them. Um, very famous one. Oh. They have... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, several Gibson guitar players, and there are a few, of course, have signed um, guitars, Gibson guitars, to be auctioned. And one that stood out for me was uh, Angus Young from ACDC had signed one of his... Um, Gibson SG standards, that beautiful red, mm-hmm. well, the, the classic Angus Young guitar. Joe Perry has signed one of his um, Joe Perry Gold Rush, Les Paul Access guitars, uh, and so on. There's, there's, there's loads. Darius Rucker from uh, Hooting the Blowfish, Robin Zander, Don Felder, who was in the Eagles, yeah. Slash, Billy Gibson. Anyway, a, 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 a long list of luminaries of signed guitars um, to be auctioned for a tremendous cause, which is Gibson Gives and the National Museum of African American Music, Music, Music Education Fund. Yeah. And I, so therefore I, I suggest you get your little piggy bank, have a little look in it, give it a shake, 
maybe. Hopefully there's some notes in there. Eng- <laughs> Eng- English ones. It's a, it's a big piggy bank. <laughs> and um, maybe you can, you know, bid for one of those. I mean, I think Angus Young's Gibson SG would look lovely in your, in your, in your little home studio there. I don't have an SG. Well, there you go. You see, problem solved. Thank you. Thank you for spending my money for me, Matthew. Well, you're, you're very welcome. So um, <laughs> <laughs> we shall see how we go with that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, the auctions continue for obviously good causes. Ex- it is and, very good. And good on them. Yeah, absolutely. All those folks putting those guitars forward. Um, and good to see, um, talking about Gibson and Dorsey's, and there are there and there are other guitar brands out there as well. Indeed, <laughs> you're very good at these links, by the way. Well done. <laughs> yes. So uh, a Gibson and Dorsey that was lovely to see back on stage at um, last weekend was Mr. David Grohl. It was fantastic mm. to see Dave on stage with uh, with Paul McCartney. Uh, and Bruce Springsteen. It was good to see David. I have to confess, I know you asked me in the last episode, Matt, to try and get you tickets for Taylor Hawkins. Any any joy? (laughs) No. What time did you say that that the tickets would be sold out? That's right. They they went on sale at 10 o'clock on the Friday and I I forecast they'd be sold out by five past. Yeah, I I don't think you were far wrong then. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't get yourself one. Did you get me one though? No. No, we'll just have okay. to, we'll have to just watch it on YouTube or mm. maybe televised. So I'm so sorry I didn't get you tickets for Taylor Hawkins. No, it's okay. You, I'm sure you, I'm sure you tried really hard. I, I, I did. I did. I um, did. Mm. Yeah, I saw, I saw clips of that. Yeah, it was good to see um, Dave Grohl and of course Bruce Springsteen on stage with Paul McCartney. Um, mm. And if you were there, I'm sure you would have enjoyed it. Um, I, I believe, I, I saw a friend of mine who was there and she said, um, the the old songs, of course, the the Beatles songs and the the, the Wings songs got a great reception. But yeah. Paul McCartney played a few songs off, I think, off his new album. Yeah, he did. <laughs> which, um, and I, re- I think I read Paul McCartney said that uh, during the the Beatles songs and the Wings songs, you know, there's an, a, an array of, of of lights from camera uh, from smartphones. Yeah. Not so much during these new songs. So I don't know whether people took you took the opportunity to go to the loo or get a drink or. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, They've got to keep it. He he wants to keep it interesting for himself as well. Oh too. yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And and talking about um, artists who have come back after a little bit of a um, uh, a break, mm-hmm. you do know, and you do know, one of my favorite bands on the planet is a band called Porcupine Tree. You have mentioned them four or five thousand times, yeah. Uh, nearly as much as King's X. Oops, mm-hmm. I mentioned them. Um, so Porcupine Tree, um, their new album came out last week. It's called Closure and Continuation. I think every episode of this podcast that comes out, Matt, I seem to turn around and go, this is my new album of the year. You do, <laughs> yeah. When, when we get to the album of the year, I'll be interested to see or hear your actual album of the year, because there's, yeah, a lot to choose from so far, which is good. Yeah. But, yes, Porcupine this is Trees. it, is it? This is really it. Exactly. It's it's phenomenal. I went and bought, you know me, always a sucker for the, uh, let's buy the box set with the little mm. book in the, but what's really good is, um, they actually ended up, um, getting their highest ever chart position in the UK. They, um, they were 
beaten to the number one slot by Mr. Harry Styles. They got, but they got to number two. But on the physical charts, they actually got to number one. And in the Netherlands and Germany, they were number one. So Porcupine Tree's new album has been very well received by mm. the rock community. So looking forward to it. And I'm off to see Porcupine Tree um, in, in November when they play Wembley Arena. So that was a good new release, um, which came out. Other new releases, um, it, was, it was a little bit of a, a new release sesh on Friday and over mm-hmm. the weekend I was listening to. So obviously listen to Porcupine Tree. The iconic album came out. Yep. Which uh which you and I were uh, certainly you and I were really looking forward to it, which had, you know, Marco Mendoza, Tommy Aldridge, the old White Snake uh rhythm section, Joel Hoxtra and Michael Sweet on guitars. Michael Sweet from uh Striper obviously singing um lead vocals along with Mr. Nathan James from Unglorious, who we will be... What would you call, just remind me, sorry, what would you call that kind of ensemble? I believe it's called a supergroup. Oh, that's right. Thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah. uh, Let's forget that. And on first listen, Matt, Mm. and when you look at all of the ingredients, you've got some of the best hard-rocking classic rock musicians uh, of the last... 20, 30 years. Yeah. And I, Nathan James, you know what? Somebody who I don't know, I don't know Glorious's music that well, but Nathan's voice was fantastic. The production was great. I just thought it was a little bit, there was elements of it where it was really classic rock and then there was elements of it where I didn't think that Michael's vocal and Nathan's vocal gelled together. I was expecting... Coverdale and Hughes and mm. it just didn't gel for me and some of the guitar playing was very 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 technically widdly 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 when mm. I'm wanting to hear back and black grooving rock stuff so I'm hoping by if they get a chance to do a second album they'll have settled into their sound they'll be a little bit more settled in the band but mm. you know, do you know what a very good start and I have to mm. say Nathan James for those people who will come to his vocal because of, you know, the White Snake connections with all of the rest of the guys in the band? I think they'll be very, very um, suitably surprised. Mm. And but another another band of that sort of Frontiers project era was a band called Black Swan. So mm-hmm. Black Swan was Robin McCauley, who we love from uh, Michael Schenker Group and Macaulay Schenker. They have just brought out their second album, which is called Generation Mind. And the first album was good, but this is a a band that's really... uh, They've really found their stride with the second album. Uh, Before before the light... The album's called Generation Mind. The first three tracks... The title track itself, Generation Mind's great... But before the light, she hides behind. Though it maybe it's just taken that second album for for those guys to just settle into their groove and go, "This is us." Because it's got Red Beach, who's Joel Hoxtra's partner in White Snake, yep. uh, Jeff Pilson, who was in Dokken and produces, you know, lots of uh, lots of the Frontier material, and obviously Robin McCauley. So, a couple of releases. I think mm. Black Swan's really good. Iconic. Let be have a listen to it, um, Matt, and let, let let us know your thoughts. And if anybody's um, put something up on the Facebook page, so lots of good releases. 
But I have to mm. say, Porcupine Tree's album is my album of the week so far. No, oh, very good. Well, um, I'll give that a listen and the others that you mentioned. Um, so moving on. So Kiss, we've mentioned a few times, are on their farewell tour that uh, seems to be going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they're under the spotlight recently um, for allegedly miming <laughs> to backing tapes, which we'll come on to later, maybe mm-hmm. in the hidden gem spot. Okay. Everyone's favourite part of the old podcast, of course. But um, one thing that made me smile recently, and I do love a spinal tap moment, um, is the fact that Kiss Kiss were playing in Vienna on their um, on part of the European tour, obviously. Ah, ah Vienna. And uh, at the end of the show, Kiss do this thing on their screen where they put up the flag of the nation that they're playing in, and it's sort of thank you, uh, presumably in the local language. I've only ever seen kids in this country, so I can't speak for other countries. <laughs> but so let's say it was in um, in German. Uh, thank you, Austria, which is which is nice. However, they put it against the background of not the Austrian flag, but the Australian flag, <laughs> which I thought was a was a little faux pas. To put it mildly, and knowing Kiss, they're, uh, one of their production guys probably got a bit of a telling off, yes. let's say. Um, but obviously, as usual, good publicity for Kiss, but it made me chuckle. I do like a spinal tap moment, and um, well, you do get them every now and again. Yeah, yeah there were, I think there was a, was a festival at the weekend uh, in Barcelona, and I know that we had this experience at Rambling Man once with a, with a headliner. Um, but um, they have two, they've got two stages going at this festival in Barcelona. Mm. So Megadeth, Megadeth are in the middle of their set. And I know you enjoyed them at Download. Yeah. Um, but D- Dave Mustaine is getting ready to start playing. And on the second stage, the, the roadie's sound checking. <laughs> I know. He's I sound know. checking. And I, and I think Dave, from what I gather, um, Dave Mustaine stops his show and sort of goes over to the far corner of the stage and sort of gesticulates hmm. rather uh, vigorously to the um, to the stage hand, comes back to the microphone and sort of says, are we okay to continue now? But, yeah. but he, uh, he was remonstrating very, uh, very hard to the, the poor roadie who was trying to sound check and trying this whilst Megadeth were playing their set. So, yeah. It's a bit ironic, really. He was, they were playing uh, the song Angry Again, and then they finished <laughs> that to go into Symphony of Destruction. And uh, as you say, he was interrupted by the, um, the roadies on the other stage, which I suppose is the, it's one of the pitfalls if you've got two, two stages side by side. I mean, downloaders, for example, and other festivals have got the stages kind of dotted around. You do get a little bit of a leakage, but side by side, I mean, you're asking for trouble, aren't you, you are, really? You are, and yeah. of course, Dave, Dave Mustaine dealt with it in his own inimitable and somewhat uh, <laughs> lacking in patience style. Very much. And uh, yeah, gave them a, a fairly hefty b- verbal berating. Um, yes, Spinal Tap moments. We'll keep a lookout for those. It's bound to be more. Um, another similar thing that's uh, caught my eye, uh, more in the kind of world of merchandising. So we talked, talked a little bit about how bands have uh, put out alcohol, gin. We talked about last time with Def Leppard and their, their new gins. There's been Motorhead beer, Iron Maiden beer and so on. But <laughs> soon to be released is a, a Barbie doll 
based on David Bowie's image from the Life on Mars hunky dory era, with the orange hair and the and the and the and the sort of outlandish makeup. And I'm thinking, really, I mean, just when you thought the world had gone crazy enough, a Barbie doll made to look like David Bowie from 1971 seems to have taken things another to another level. I'm not sure who's going to buy it, and I, I guess Bowie um, completists, Bowie aficionados. Or get it, but I mean, you wouldn't give it to a child for Christmas. You'd probably scare the living daylights out of them. So, um, yeah, we shall see um, how that how that plays out. How well that sells. So, so, so is is David Ken? No, or David's is, Barbie. Yeah, David's, is right. Okay, All yeah. Right. I guess Ken would be Mick Ronson. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Although I admire your knowledge about Barbie and Ken, Brian, uh, I was more of an action man. <laughs> so was I. I, I, I had, I, I had uh, uh, eagle eyes. Eagle eyes. Did you? And what about the action man? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do. And they always had gripping hands, didn't they? Do you remember the gripping hands? That was revolutionary when that revolutionary when that came out when I was a child. Gripping hands. Yeah. I'm not sure they were, what they were gripping. We won't go into that. But um, yeah, action man with that fuzzy kind of hair, yeah. eagle eyes. Gripping hands. And, and, and if you had the one with the scar. Oh, I'm going on eBay now for a, <laughs> go and buy an action man. <laughs> anyway, we digress. We do. Only, only slightly. And then finally, in the news section, Kate Bush. Now, we all love Kate Bush. And if you were a, a young fellow in the 70s, early 80s, as I was, you enjoyed Kate Bush in lots of ways musically, performance-wise, and so on. So she had a bit of a, a, a resurgence with um, with Stranger Things soundtrack. You, come on. You have to sing it now. Yeah. We're running up that hole, we're running up that hill, with no problem. Do you, do you mean that version? <laughs> um, yeah, running up that hill. Um, but apparently, I, I haven't seen the, the rest of... Straight, the, this season of Stranger Things. Mm. Season. Mm. I don't know. And this series. Series. We're not, we're not Americans. No, we're the not. Series of. Um, have you noticed how many Americanisms have sort of slipped into our kind yeah. of day to day speak? Yeah. Um, I work for, for an American organization. Everyone reaches out to each other. Can you reach out to him? No, I'll contact him. I'll give him a, give him a call, you know. Reach out. Anyway, we digress. Yeah, so see, I haven't seen all this series of uh, strange things, but apparently there's a lot of emphasis on Metallica later on in the, um, there in, is. In the, and you've got a theory that master of puppets may be the next, uh, number one. Maybe we should put some money on that, Brian, have a little bet. Yeah. And then you could pay for your Gibson SG, your Angus Young autographed. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, no, there's, there, as you know, there will be, I'm sure there's probably a Facebook page or Facebook group that's been set up that go and, Let's get Master of Puppets to number one. If Kate mm. can do it, so can Kirk and James. Indeed. And, Indeed. The, other, and the other ones. <laughs> Love you, Lars. Robert <laughs> and Lars. Um, yes, anyway, so that uh, brings us to the end of this episode's news. So it's July. It's the time of American independence. And... Having done 32 
of these episodes. We do like to celebrate these events, don't we? We do. It gives us some reason to talk about different things. And so to celebrate American Independence Day, we thought we'd discuss our favourite great American bands. That was a song, wasn't it? You're an American band. It was, Grand Funk Railroad. You're paraphrasing it. But we're, yeah, we're an American band, which is a good song. It is. We should put that on your pod, uh, playlist, on your podcast playlist, I meant to say. Okay. We should put that, we should put that on the old playlist, Brian. Anyway, Hopefully, so, Grand Funk's version, not mine. Grand Funk Railroad. <laughs> That's a good name, isn't it, for a band? It's fabulous. I wonder how they came up with that. I imagine they probably sat there smoking a few doobies and thought, what should we call ourselves? And then the name just came to them. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. So, the great American bands, Brian. Yes. Um, would you like to kick us off? I would do. Are we doing this in? Uh, are we at the end of this conversation? Will we? Will we have our what we think is our best our top five? Top our five. Top fi- our, our own top fives. Yeah. And and there's a few bands which, as you can imagine, from my perspective, are, are left off. But I'm, I'm going to kick off with. Um, King's X. I mean, King's X. Uh, off I, I never mentioned just, just, them. Just to kind of like you know. <laughs> <laughs> Manage everyone's expectations. Exactly. King's X are not on your list. Are they? King's X are not on my list. Neither okay, good. Exactly. We can all relax now. We can all relax now. <laughs> the number one slot is 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 empty. Exactly. So the first first band and and uh, first band I have on my list, I have the the Eagles. Oh, or number Eagles. Or Eagles is it called? Yes, number number one or number five. They're number five. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Tell me about the Eagles then. Why, why have you got them so low down in your top five list? <laughs> uh, honestly, because mm. I had a list of about 25. <laughs> I had 25 uh, greatest greatest bands from America. I have loads to choose from. I, I think the Eagles, um, I've probably focused more on the the harder rock element as, as uh-huh. my one or two, um, you know, one's... But I think um, for a lot of people, when you look at who the great American bands are, um, you know, in the seven, you know, if, uh, you know, I think they do hold the accolade for having the the greatest selling album of the twentieth century in their uh, greatest hits. Their first greatest hits album is um, is they have awards. Yep, go and speak to Irvin Azoff. He's got a little award saying. They, might be the compilation, might be the greatest compilation uh, yeah, sales. I think it's the best selling, the best selling best of. Yeah, is the greatest hits so, from seventy one to eighty three or whatever it is. Yeah, and and the, and the, and you'll probably I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit. It's the longevity mm-hmm. of the Eagles, and I know from from nineteen seventy two up through to nineteen eighty, um, and then they had their um, hiatus. Uh, when they came back in 1994, but from 1994 right up until last week, the Eagles are selling out stadiums across the globe. So I mm. had to have, and a lot of people will call the Eagles America's great and banned. So I had to have them in. It's a good choice. Good choice. Indeed. 120 million albums sold. Wow. Um, over a 50 or 51 year career, as you say, broken up occasionally, different little breaks and get back together when hell froze over and so on. But you can't argue with 120 million 
albums. And to me, they're the, they're the sound of America, really. I mean, they've almost got the, the, the perfect mix, the perfect combination, good songs. Yeah. And just the delivery, I think it's just, I mean, it's almost like someone pouring, I don't know, cream over you. It's just that, it just envelops you. It's just, it's just beautiful. FM radio was made for, for, for the likes of, <clears throat> for the likes of Eagles. I would agree. Or Absolute. the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Whichever, whichever way you like to refer to them. Yeah. How about Eagles. you? What's your number five? Well, like you, I had a, I had a kind of longish list and I was thinking about longevity um, being a factor. For example, if you think about the Doors, who are clearly one of the greatest bands ever to come out of America, they had a fairly short career. There's some fantastically um, influential work and clearly Jim Morrison was was a hugely influential frontman and left his mark on on music. But would you call them one of the greatest American bands? You may do. You may do. Um, I'm going to go with um, Guns N' Roses as one of the great American bands. Been going since the mid-80s, of course, still going. Recently played in the UK, did, did stadium tours over the weekend in London, actually. Hopefully, I'm not quite sure, but I think London was their only date on the UK tour. I could be wrong. Um, they are coming to Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are they coming to Glasgow? They are coming to Glasgow. Yeah, I've got news for you. They, they cancelled. So Guns N' Roses, I would say, in terms of um, just the great, a great American band, hugely influential, hugely successful, um, very colourful history, of course. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to put them somewhat controversially in my top five. Okay. Appetite for Destruction, of course, one of the greatest uh, debut albums of all time. So Guns N' Roses is in my top five. Okay. Uh, as are the Eagles, by the way. So we'll, we'll, we won't go back to them. Okay. But I had the Eagles as number one in terms of the greatest Did you? American bands. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I've said it now. Okay. I've let the cat out of the bag. Number um, four for me. Hmm. Uh, is this controversial? Boston. Okay. I've never seen them. They never grace us with their presence in the nope. UK. I think the last time Boston were in the UK was the late seventies. <laughs> Probably on their UK tour. Of London. London. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's that when I think of AOR, you know, melodic rock, you know, American anthems, those those cassettes we bought, or whenever you had your car with your five change of CD, Matt. Indeed. You could have had, you know, all those compilations, uh, albums, driving rock, more than a feeling would have been on there. Um and to me, Boston, Tom Schultz, um, that debut album, and Brad Delp's vocals—they just touch a nerve with me. Uh, some uh, more than a feeling is one of those songs where we all love it. Nobody or anybody rarely touches it as a cover because the vocals are just phenomenal. So, yeah, Boston for me. Boston for me are just—they are an American band. Um, and still touring, and uh, you know, in America, nowhere else. <laughs> in, indeed, yeah, no, phenomenal. I mean, the first first three albums are just incredible pieces of work. Um, let's have uh, four play long time. Don't look back. Um, something about you. Let's have them on the old. Um, oh, absolutely. Play, playlist yes. and um, 
Okay. No, that's good. That's good. Well, I'll see your, um, I'll see your Boston and I'm going to go with journey uh, in a similar vein, actually the soundtrack to um, many people's seventies and eighties uh, featuring the, the, the unbelievable vocals of Steve Perry. We talked about him before the voice of AOR in some ways, alongside Lou Graham foreigner, but just, just a great band. They've done some great songs, great albums, still goes strong. New album out um, with the new singer Arnel Pineda. Um, I haven't heard it, but uh, I imagine it's in the same vein as a lot of their uh, similar historic work. So um, yeah, I'm going to go with journey. There's uh, number four on my list. I had Journey as number three on mine. Did you now? Oh, I did. Look at that great minds think alike. <laughs> Thoughts on Journey? Another band that they don't often play, when I mean, they have played in this country, the UK. Not, not it's all about the UK. I mean, we happen to be based in the UK. Yeah. Um, for now, anyway. <laughs> but, um, you know, they don't have to play the UK. Um, I've been lucky enough to see them. I, I, I was lucky enough to see... Um, when they started to do the package shows in the in the early two thousands, I, hmm. I saw Journey, Journey, Foreigner, and Sticks on a three band bill, and all bands were great. Um, I I I actually thought Foreigner blew everybody off the stage. It was the first time I saw Kelly, but yeah. but Neil Sean's just an amazing guitarist and oh Neil Pineda, yeah. Um, their new lead singer, and it, well, it's not so much new anymore, but he is able to cover steve's steve's material um so yeah journey journey would uh it would would have to be in our in our top five i'd be very surprised between you and me we didn't have journey high up on our list indeed mm-hmm. okay what you got next cc top Ooh, good choice mm. the little old band from texas indeed can't, you can't go wrong with was easy to up. So I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat a little bit because it's our list. I'm going to, you've, you've gone with journey is, is your three. I'm going to, I'm going to go with ZZ top as, uh, or journey is your four. Yep. I'm going to go with ZZ top as my three. Um, I think, uh, for longevity, for being able to, you know, that little band from Texas who went global with eliminator. Um, yep. and we have seen them, we've seen them headline, High Voltage, we've seen them headline Ramblin' Man. When they're on stage, there's nothing better than a, on a Sunday night, the last night of the, our last band to play on the festival and you're sent home with CZ Top. So a classic American band. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm going to go with someone similar um, in terms of uh, longevity. We've used that word a lot, haven't you? Haven't yeah. we? Um, I'm going to go with Aerosmith, uh, my number three. Uh, in terms of the great American bands. Uh, started in late 60s, early 70s. A few light-up changes over the, year, but essentially, over the years, but essentially the same core of the band, um, formed in Boston, and essentially, you know, global domination, certainly in the 70s, and to an extent during the 80s in their sort of post-rehab uh, comeback, permanent vacation, pump, um, just some, some great songs. And you can pick you know, almost anything from any era, yeah. uh, Brian, um, you know, back in the saddle or of course, you know, um, dude looks like a lady loving an elevator, anything from any era really. And, you know, they've, they've maintained that level of, um, 
quality and a great band live. I've seen them a few times over the years. They do come to the UK quite a lot, which is good. And uh, well worth a look if you do get to see them. I thought I think their farewell tour may actually be a farewell tour, but if they do play in uh, in the UK or indeed wherever you are, try and try and see them on their last tour. I got into them on Love and Ele- Love in an Elevator, the and around you know, sort of permanent vacation and pump, which was the later albums, and it's only really with with diving back into. You know the some of the some of the material um, like Sweet Emotion, which is a phenomenal just the way in which mm. that track builds up, absolutely. Um, and Toys in the Attic, which is a great album. Um, but as I say, um, they the longevity of Aerosmith, they're worthy of their place in the top five. Yeah, indeed, mm. indeed. So um, number two. Um, I've gone for a band we've talked about quite a lot over the uh, over the episodes. Uh, sadly, no longer with us due to the untimely death of their um, legendary guitarist, and that band is Van Halen, mm. one of the greatest exports from America. Um, just tremendous legacy they've left behind in any era, any era of Van Halen you want to pick. Yeah, um, and obviously underpinned by the Van Halen brothers. Um, Great stuff. Some great albums from their unbelievably good debut through the eras, through the through the Sammy Hagar era. Just just tremendous. So certainly worthy of uh top two spot. And it was a toss-up between them and the Eagles, I have to say. But I couldn't help but go for the Eagles. Uh, just on pure sort of I guess American niche niche. <laughs> on, on pure Americanness. No, hang on. But I had to go for the Eagles just on their sheer sort of size and scale and, you know, epitomising the American sound. Okay. Interestingly, Mm. Van Halen weren't my number two. Really? No. My number two was Bon Jovi. Okay. Living on a prayer. Mm. An American institution. They are an American institution. Um, So my number two, my number two is Bon Jovi and I'll put a few tracks on there. So you're number one. You've already, you've already let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Number one, the Eagles or Eagles. Yeah. My number one, Van Halen. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So it's going to be, it'll be a very, very, very American upbeat, uh, 4th of July playlist that we'll put out. But Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Honourable yeah. mentions. I'm sure you've got some as well, Brian. Heart, the great stuff. Um, great albums in the 70s. Um, Motley Crue. Yes. Controversially, but they sold 100 no. million albums and a lot of people love them. Yeah. Um, the Big Four, of course. Metallica, Megadeth, we mentioned earlier. Slayer and Anthrax. <laughs> Maybe not everyone's cup of tea, but I mean, you know, worthy of mention. Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam. Uh, we mentioned Foreigner briefly. Nirvana, we mentioned briefly. Kiss, of course, who we touched upon earlier. I mean, just, you know, the list goes on. And there are there are some 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 bands that, you know, will be the future, much as we touched upon last time, will be the future of, of American music. Rival Sons, Dirty Honey, Shinedown, Autobridge, Hailstorm, Greta Van Fleet, and many more. You covered them all. Did I? Yeah, apart from Tom Petty. Oh, cool. Of course. What a great way to end the great Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, 
Yeah, let's have Refugee and... Um, Fair enough. Mary Deal. Jane's Last Dance. Fantastic. So that was it. That was a little trip down the list of the great American bands. Hope you liked it. Happy Independence Day to our American listeners. We wish you well. So last time, mm-hmm. Brian, mm-hmm. I sent you the year 2009. Uh, yeah, exactly. 2009. Do you remember it? Not especially. <laughs> 13 years ago, or if you're listening in seven years' time, <laughs> 20 years ago. Oh. 2009. Um, talk us through 2009, Brian. 2009. Um, again, a bit like 1996. Quite an eclectic yep. year for albums. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll do albums first. Um, and then we'll do some gigs because there were some gigs you and I went to together. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to kick off with some cracking albums. Um, the first album I'm going to, uh, that was on my list was Chicken Foot. Mm. Chicken Foot, the self titled debut album um, from Chicken Foot, uh, which was this <laughs> the super group with Sammy Hagar. Sorry, the, the what? The what? Sorry. <laughs> the super group. Oh, yeah. With Sammy Hagar and Michael Anthony from Van Halen, Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers, and Joe Satriani. Uh, absolutely mega album. Planet Rock lost its mind. And and I think we all did when, when the uh, album came out. And it's an album that uh, it didn't disappoint at all. No. I was very, very impressed with just how just rock and roll and how great in the pocket a guitar player uh, Joe Satriani was. It wasn't all mm. the widdly diddly stuff. It was. It was just phenomenal. I really absolutely. loved. Really loved that. Absolutely fantastic album. Um, great song. Every single song on that. You pick any of them. They just. It's just. It's just perfect right. from start to finish. Soap on a rope. Yeah. Oh, I'll I, go with uh, turning left. Yeah. And uh, get it up. But I mean, you could just go with any song of that. I mean, is, great stuff. Good a- start. Good, thank you. Um, the next album I have, which is um, um, f- a- an album uh, by a band, an American album. Gosh, could they have made my top five? No, sure they could have. Um, fifth studio album from the pop rock band Train, mm-hmm. uh, which is their fifth studio album called Save Me San Francisco. Um, it was on the back of the, obviously, the massive... Drops of Jupiter album that they that they had released previously, yep. um, but they there were some great singles that came off it. Hey Soul Sister was probably the big um, uh, yeah, was a good song. big single. Um, if it's love is great, but my favorite track on the album, I was lucky to see them on this tour, is the opening track, which is a track called Parachute. Pat Monahan's vocal and that is just phenomenal. So my second album um, of choice. Is uh, is trains save me, San Francisco. Um, the third album um, is uh, a, a little bit of a progressive rock album, um, and we I was lucky enough to see this band at uh, High Voltage. It's Transatlantic, so Transatlantic, uh, which is a supergroup. Um, God, I saw all see all these supergroups, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish mm. I was getting a pound for every time I said supergroup. Again, a progressive rock supergroup with Neil Morse, uh, Pete Travis from Marillion, Mike Portnoy from uh, X of Dream Theatre, Ronnie Stolt. They brought out an album 
um, in 2009, which was called The Whirlwind. Uh, the Whirlwind is absolutely, it was a third studio album. It is one of the best concept progressive rock albums of all time. Uh, I listened to it quite extensively. It's just, oh, it's just fantastic. If you're a fan of Pink Floyd and and The Wall, it's just a great, great, a great, great album. Tracks on it, like the overture itself with, with um, uh, Whirlwind, the wind blew them all away. And then sort of poppish tracks like Rose-Coloured Glasses. A great, great um, album. And then the final one for me, and I'll leave a few for you, is, um, you know, I'm a massive fan of Jeff Scott Soto, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and Jeff Scott Soto was part of a... Go on, say pro- it. Yeah, I know. It was a melodic rock supergroup with uh, with Jeff Scott Soto and Eric Martinson and Robert Sal. Now, uh, this is the debut album from them. It's an absolutely phenomenal album. It's just got Jeff Scott Soto. This is off the back of Jeff having worked with um, Journey and then he left Journey. But... Um, uh, the the album itself is just oh it's really really uh, top notch melodic rock. Um, I bought it very very surprised. One probably one of the early frontier projects that I got into, and then they backed it up with a second album called Rise Up, which was great. But I'm gonna go in 2009 with the self titled Wet debut album, and that was albums in 2009. Matt, very how about good. you? Well, just a couple to mention. Really, um, uh, Foreigner brought brought out "Can't Slow Down," which is a good album. I think it's the only album they did with Kelly Hansen. That's actually, right. They've, yep. they've yep. done with Kelly Hansen. I just love the title song. I remember singing that. You know, when you kind of just get a song that just won't go out of your head. Yeah, I just love it. So, um, yeah, please put "Can't Slow Down" on the playlist. Um, also, um, we talked a lot about this band. I think we touched upon them maybe earlier. Um, Europe brought out uh, Last Look at Eden, which, um, again, for people who just associate Europe with the final countdown and, you know, they're more sort of pop rock classics. Check, check out um, check out Last Look at Eden. Good album. In fact, check out all their, all their albums, really. You know, the last the 20th century albums, as it were, 21st century albums. But um, yeah, Last Look Eden's a good good album. And, and again, the title song is one of those, one of those modern classics. Um, you mentioned gigs. I mean, gig, a good year for gigs, 2009. Um, I think you probably saw one or two of these tours as well. Chicken Foot, you mentioned we we saw them at yeah. the um, Shepherd's Bush Empire. I think they were, that was one of their dates on the UK tour. Um, saw ACDC a couple of times. Wembley Stadium and um, the O2 Arena. Um, saw um, Thunder. We talked about them a few times. Yeah. So yeah, good good year for gigs. Mm. Uh, certainly seeing ACDC a couple of times in in a year was uh, was quite something. Saw Metallica at the O2 when they played in the Round on okay. the uh, yeah. on the Death Mag- Death Magnetic tour. Which is a good album, quite underrated actually. I agree, um, and very well uh, on the back of uh, such a well-produced album as well too. I thought absolutely, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, put cyanide on the um, well do on, on the playlist, please, Brian. Well oh, that's a riff and a half. Oof, oof. Um, oof. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, good good year, as you say, kind of an eclectic year for uh, albums. Not the greatest year for albums, but some good stuff. All the same, certainly that Chicken Foot album stands out. Yeah, head and shoulders above the crowd, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and some some good gigs too. You see any of those gigs, Brian? Apart from the one we went to, of course. Um, the I was lucky enough to see um, ACDC at Hamden uh, on mm-hmm. the Black Ice tour, and, and yeah, that that was that was that was f- phenomenal. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I, it's always ACDC when you go and see them. I always remember they they kicked it off with Rock and Roll Train, which is a That's which right. is a great opening track, and then went straight into Helly and the Bad Place to Be, and I'm like. You're just kind of yeah. going. Uh, they, they, uh, it was a really, really good, sh- really, really good show, and, and uh, um, yeah, I enjoyed that. I, again, um, the the only other two um, real gigs of note for me in 2009 was uh, right at the beginning of the year. I uh, was looking off uh, in the electric ballroom to go and see King's X, um, which was the. Uh, which was we the, almost got through an entire episode with you only mentioned him half a dozen times. Well, um, it was only King's for X. the. The Electric Ballroom in London. Yeah, and that was the one that we, they recorded for the DVD. So Are you on the DVD? I then? am if, on the if, DVD. So could you could you grab a second or two from YouTube uh-huh. and drop it onto the Facebook page and everyone can see Brian in 2009 going with, through a bit with, of time. With his dewy eyes walk. going, there's King's <laughs> X, they're the greatest band in the world. Yeah. Maybe not then. <laughs> Maybe not then. Maybe not then. And and another band who uh, um, I didn't, I don't know much about them, um, but I certainly enjoyed them live. Was Muse? Mm. I got to see Muse. Um, they played in Glasgow. They made a hell of a racket for a three piece. Uh, Matt Bellamy's such a gr- great showman. Very yeah, good. not a bad year for gigs. No, yeah. indeed. So. Mm-hmm. What do we do next, Brian? Do you remember? We do what is allegedly the um, the most requested and listened to part of the show. Not yet. We've got to wait for that because you're going to need to give me a year for next time. Oh, do-, <laughs> do you remember? Ah. It's only been 33 episodes. Don't worry. It's fine. Don't uh, worry. Uh, uh, okay, let me let me just check with my production my, my production manager to see what mm. what. Uh, why don't I give you 2016 then? Okay. Yes. All right. Six years ago. Six years ago. A mere six years ago. Okay, fine. Or if you're listening to the podcast in four years' time, ten years ago. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right, then. So, as you said, the point now we arrive at is everyone's favourite part of the old podcast. Allegedly. Allegedly. No, I've got it on good authority. As, as I said to you many times, I get stopped in the street and people do tell me it's their favourite part. And that part is... Hidden Jinjai. Thank you, Lola. It's Lola's birthday this week. Actually, happy birthday, Lola. Happy birthday. Yeah. So, what you got for us, Brian? So, I'm going to go with another American band. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a band from Atlanta, Georgia. Bit of a southern rock feel to this band. Mm-hmm. This is a band called Driving and Crying, Matthew. Have you heard of them? I have. Have Indeed. you? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, it's not mm. much of a hidden gem then if we both know about it. So I I am going to go with um, the album that Driving and Crying recorded in 1991. 
and it's an album called Fly Me Courageous. It is an absolutely fantastic album. Kevin Kinney is the is the main driving force around um, around driving and crying. The um, Andy Jones um, was slotted to produce the album. Um, unfortunately, he fell ill, and they they had Jeff Workman come in and produce the album instead. Um, tracks around around the block again. Chain reaction. The title track, "Fly Me Courageous." It's just a. It's probably their finest are both commercially and artistically. You get a real sense, an influence of R.E.M. on the album as well too. Mm. I know that there's connections between Driving and Crying and R.E.M. I think they both toured together. But I submit to podcast number 33, the album Fly Me Courageous by Driving and Crying. Very good. Very good. So for a change, I've got a couple of uh, hidden gems. Yeah, I thought I'd treat myself. Okay. Live dangerously. <laughs> um, first one's an easy one, really. Uh, we mentioned this band a few times, and I'm just, because we haven't uh, really uh, bigged them up that much, and I'm going to see them on Wednesday, I, I want everyone to go out and listen, not go out necessarily, go out and buy. You don't have to go out and buy things these days, do you? You get them yeah. delivered to your house. Stay in and listen to the first album by Dirty Honey, which came out last year. Now, I've been raving about this band um, I was quite late to discover them. Although, although they've been going a few years. Um, but their first album, which came out last year, is just tremendous. So um, check out Dirty's, Dirty Honey's first album. Mm-hmm. Uh, standout tracks, California Dreaming, Gypsy, uh, The Wire. But it's all good. Mm-hmm. It's all good. It's an old school album, in a way. It's only 30 minutes. Um, old killer, band. no filler. Indeed. Indeedy. <laughs> Uh, my proper hidden gem, actually, is something I came across. Uh, I came across um, quite by chance. It's uh, it's it's a uh, Justin Hawkins from the Darkness has got a YouTube show called Justin Hawkins Rides Again, and I would urge everyone to give it a watch. He's very, very, very good, very eloquent, um, very knowledgeable, and a bit like this. Um, podcast. I think I think that's probably where he got the idea. Actually, he examines the kind of uh, the news topics of the day and just kind of um, picks around in them and, and, and assesses them. He's talked about David Coverdale's uh, performances recently. He talks about uh, Kiss and the alleged backing tapes and so on. So uh, my hidden gems for this episode are the first album by Dirty Honey in 2021. And Justin Hawkins rides again. Justin, uh, Justin Hawkins, Hawkins rides again. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's well worth a look, boys and girls. Check it out. That was it. Look forward to the next one, episode thirty-four. I know. I know. Oh my goodness, we're getting through them, aren't we? We'd like to take this opportunity to thank all of our sponsors, mm-hmm. um, all of our listeners. Who are our sponsors then? <laughs> Is there something I don't know? Have we been sponsored without me knowing it? Uh, 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 <laughs> Is that where the budget comes from? <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, yep. Please uh, listen to us as many times as you can. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can do it on Spotify now, I believe, Brian, can't you? You can indeed. Um, so, um, yeah, please do that. And um, tell your friends. Find us on Twitter. What's that Twitter handle, Brian? At F-T-A-T-Pod. 
Yeah, he's got that, everyone, he's got that written in in big, bold, black capital letters. It's about a foot high, each letter. <laughs> um, just just by the side of him. I can see it now, just so we can remember. At FT80 Pod, and also on Facebook. And we're also, are we on Instagram? We're on Instagram as well, We are indeed. We? we haven't posted anything on Instagram. We're not very good on Instagram. We've got so many, so many avenues, so much social media. We can't keep up with it. But um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Rock on. Cheers, everybody. Bye. For those about to pod, we salute you as a Mealy Rogers media production. 